I'm Ryan. This is You're Not Watching That, uh, the podcast where I'm finally catching up with all those films I should have seen, but my parents wouldn't let me. We're now at episode three, and things have taken a turn for the strange. Uh, the last two films have been foreboding looks at a bleak future. This week's film is a chewed-up ball of gum made up of cultural references by the fistful, glugs of exposition, and whole cheekfuls of cinema tropes, all spat out in a crazy, colourful explosion of crazy, and then more crazy. Uh, there's been some right big trouble. Where, you ask? No, not Attercliffe. It's Little China. Um, so yeah, there we go. That's uh, that's the intro done. Um, I've watched another film that I should have seen a long time ago uh, after Robocop and The Running Man. And like those two films, I am joined by uh, Dinnington's Finest, uh, the purveyor of Henderson's uh, Relish. I got hey, You'll like this, actually. It's Dan, it's Dan Fudge. Dan, I was wearing a Henderson's Relish t-shirt the other day and I got told I was a hipster for wearing it by a southerner who didn't know what it was. I will fight a man. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> That's all I've got. I'm just, I, I will absolutely smash his gaze. What do you mean, hipster? It's well, not first, hipster. First of all, he says he says something like it was. I think they thought it was Anderson's relation. You know, the classic thing. It's just got a little orange bottle on the front. Yeah, on the back, it must admit it's got a massive orange circle that says "Strong and Northern" and all this kind of stuff on it. But it's for those who don't know. Right, we're gonna have a few. Well, our, our third guest here, uh, our second co-contributor, will have the words sound this. I'm sure. Um, for those who don't know, Henderson's Relish is a source of the gods up north. It's in fish and chip shops. It's all, for me, my mum from Sheffield, it was always with mince. She used to do mince with potatoes, like a deconstructed pie, and it was all over it. It was everywhere. And uh, yeah, people say it looks like Henderson's Relish because the bottle is tastes nothing. Uh, not Henderson's. Me and parents. Worcester sauce, and I ate that stuff. So, uh, Dan, thoughts on Henderson's Relish and uh, been thinking about The Running Man much this week? The Running Man, I honestly, I'm really happy I got you to watch it. Like that, that's that's really made my day because I, I think I was listening back to the last show and you were talking about that you were annoyed with me for uh, for not giving you Top End Arnie, for not giving you like Predator or or um, or Terminator or something like that. But I, I, I honestly, I think Running Man's just good fun, and I I wish they'd have made it. Probably about 10 years later, you know, like in the 90s when everything was kind of mental, but it wasn't as, um, I don't know, there weren't as many tropes and there weren't as many ridiculous things in there. Like, I, I just kind of wish they remade it, but better. It's ironic as well that we did end up just, because Robocop was just a random choice. And then we went, let's just pick another one. And we picked the same year and basically the same kind of shit as in stuff's going to get weird in the future and it's going to be bleak. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we've gone through two. And this film this week, Big Trouble in Little China. Um, there's a couple of reasons why. Obviously, we'd mentioned it before, but also the man I'm about to introduce you, I think it's one of his favourites. Um, it's a very different film. It's earlier. I'm sure we'll get to the point with the stats, uh, John Carpenter and all that business with it, but it's, I, I can't hold him back any further. He's been chomping at the bit for three weeks. I met this man in Sheffield. Uh, this is not always just a Sheffield-based uh, podcast, by the way. Um, yeah, if you don't know Sheffield, you're not bloody coming on. Um, yeah, I can't even think where. Through a friend at university, we had a, a very random, what was it? Uh, God, a near Hunter's Bar roundabout, some New Year's Eve party, no pictures of which exist. No one can ever find them. Only those that were there sort of remember it. We played the PlayStation 2 together for the first time in my bedroom. I think I saw GTA 3 uh, with a lad from Skeg. Uh, you all know who he is by now. He, uh, I always knew him as that bloke who liked uh, Jay and Silent Bob, but it's uh, it's Normie. How are you doing, Norm? Good evening. Oh, what's that voice? <laughs> this, is, this is my posh voice on uh, on on video calls. Like I've got two. 
back-to-back calls at work tomorrow, so I'm preparing. <laughs> Only joking. <laughs> How you doing, Rob? Have you, have you enjoyed, enjoyed listening to the rambling so far? I have, mate. Thank you. It's been great. It's been, I'm enjoying your pure innocence of watching these films as an adult, and the, the, the critique is, is just wonderful. And I, I'm I'm sat there laughing, and with Fudge as well. You, you, you're making me laugh listening to everything you're saying, and you, yeah, your analogies are top drawer as well. I, I tell <laughs> you what, really, Norm. really good. Yeah, go on, Fudge. Norm, I I played this for my missus. I played last week's show for my missus. We were laid there in bed, and this is the day after Valentine's Day, right? So we just laid in bed. We've had a bit of wine the night before. I had a couple of pints again. Is that she what you got, call it? She, yeah, it's <laughs> not not an analogy. And do you know what she said, Norm? She what? said that me and him. Me and this one on the screen as well. She said that we sound the same because we both sound like Northerners putting on a posh accent. <laughs> uh, um, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> well, for those of you based in the South, I, I am, I'm, I'm sort of, uh, I've always said this before, I'm kind of an East Midlander really because my mum and dad are from Nottingham and Sheffield. I kind of, uh, and as a uni at Sheffield, I kind of understand the place, put it that way. They they all come on holiday to where I'm from uh, with all the bloody broadery else. Um, at the same time, Norm, so you, me and you have had this thing for quite a long time. God, so if we're looking back, it's probably been 20 odd years we've known each other, haven't we, on and off and through, you know, when there was no social media, it's like, where's that bloke gone? Um, but in the social media thing, there'll be times that you always put up films and I always just put no. Yeah, and I, I relish those times. I, I really do because there's just, I just sigh. He'll <sighs> put up something like Rambo and I'll go, no. And then every now and then he'll do them polls. You know the polls, Dan, where it's like, um, which of these is the best? And I'll just say to him, one of them. And it's nine. <laughs> but occasionally you have seen one of them and we get all excited about it. And I'm glad you've, started to do this podcast and I have mentioned it to other people that are doing this and they're very intrigued by it all as well. But so. Norm, can I just add another thing to this as well? Because obviously yeah. when we first played you this as a bit of a, the pilot and stuff, you you basically went through it like some, I don't know, some kid locked away in a room in a Victorian child's uh, prison <laughs> who was just every two minutes would be shouting out something like, that was Paula Abdul. That was this. And I thought, Normie's watching it. And I'm forwarding him on to Dan going, Normie's watching the pod. It's almost like, uh, you know, they've put the ring in the uh, in the volcano, in the Hobbit. Everyone knew everything was going. So for you, you've done that thing of, you love these films. They do matter to you. So my score of four for Robocop, for instance, hurt a little bit, things like that. They, they matter to you. Why do these films matter so much? You're a slight older vintage than me by about a year, I think. But otherwise, what is it about this genre of film and these sort of times? It won't all be the 80s. We're going to go all around. But in particular, Running Man, Robocop, so far, we've looked at. It encapsulated everything about growing up in the 80s, of just how bonkers it was. And it also offers all that escapism. Because in the 80s, Thatcher Britain, we had nothing. These films just offered all that kind of escapism. My, my grandmother bought me Robocop for Christmas when I was 12. <laughs> Wow. There we go. So, so, can I just say, we mentioned a couple of weeks ago how it was the wrong uns. <laughs> Normally, where, where, were you, where were you from again? <laughs> Halfway in Sheffield. So was your nan, uh, was she a gun runner or a blesser or what was it? Well, where does that come from? Well, she was living on Page, in Page Hall at the time. Um, so, yeah, she bought it when I was 12 and I watched it when I was 12. Um, I like to think it was after Christmas dinner. But um, I don't think it was. It might have been that evening, and yeah, and I just grew up. I just grew up on them. We had friends who had all these video collections, and we used to sneak out and watch them. And oh, this is no, no, no. Were you one of the wrongans that we've referenced on this show? Are, are you the kid? You know, right, right, Ryan and I were discussing <laughs> it on the last two episodes. That there's always that kid that had all these videos that that owned them all in the leather, and all seen everything, the fleur de lis. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Didn't have all of them. I had some of them. 
but my next door but one neighbour did have the red band leather case uh, video cassettes. Can we have his first name, Normie, just in case it's Don? Michael. <laughs> oh, Michael. He was posh. Yeah, go on. Michael. Go and Michael. Michael. Michael, Se- Michael Sefton. That's <laughs> <laughs> a name for you. Name him out. That's right. <laughs> That's all right. He's Dean. Um, so it's, did you go and rent him off old Michael or what? No, he used to go around to his house in his bedroom. We watched Commando. We watched, oh, no. watched Commando, watched Predator, watched Terminator. What else did we watch? Diary for the Weapon. He, he had them as well. And uh, we used to sneak out into his house and all the kids in the neighborhood. There might be six or seven of us just sat in his bedroom watching all this wonderful, gratuitous 80s violence. So hold, on, hold on, I've got another, so many questions. I almost don't want to do big trouble in a little time now. Your nan, was she formerly of the cinema trade or where did she go? Like East 12, this looks a really, it's Robocop, right? Yeah, Robocop. The one that we're saying is bloody violent compared yeah. to the other one. What's, is nan just thinking he's going to watch it anyway? We know what Mark's like. <laughs> you know what? I never actually asked her, God rest her soul. I, I should have done what possessed you to buy me this when I was 12. I've, <laughs> I think she just looked, thought it looked like a good sci-fi flick that I'd enjoy. And I did enjoy it. It was wonderful. <laughs> well, do you got any more uh, questions of this rum bugger right here? I, I have, actually. So I'll, I, I want to drill down on this Nan uh, thing. Like, so in Christmas 1991-92, my great Nan, she was well into her 70s, probably even 80s at this point. And she gave me and my brother for Christmas uh, Shredder and Splinter from the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And I, and I was blown away at the time thinking, oh my God, wow, I can't believe my nan knew that I wanted that. Obviously, you know, as a grown-up now, I know now that my mum's gone, just get in this and I'll put your name on it or something. <laughs> and I, I, I want to work out if you getting Robocop for for Christmas, one of your parents going, get in that, he loves it. He's always watching it on a Saturday afternoon. No problem, my dad. <laughs> <laughs> he wanted to watch it. He'd not seen it. <laughs> Probably. Oh, he had seen anything. Ah, oh, Mark, I'll be all right with that. <laughs> oh, to be to be fair, Norm, as well, like, you know, I, I have the same first name as my dad, and a lot of the times, you know, I'd open socks and uh, my dad would get, like, man at arms from He-Man at Christmas. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? <laughs> hey, can we just, while we're on the turtles, just really quick, I remember that it's really funny, because I was so obsessed with them when they were on Going Live, whatever it was. I used to hold my fingers like this quite a lot of the time, like I had three, <laughs> and I'd put my uh, me socks between my toes to make it look like I had two. And I was mad with Leonardo. I just thought he was the man. And then I don't think my mum quite got it. And she used to constantly get me Donatella. <laughs> I've got all this. I'd be like, no, n- no. So like, well, I, can tell, I can tell you why that is. I can tell you why that is. Because obviously you, your mum would have been down a Skegness market and yeah. uh, to, to Eastgate market. And she'd have seen uh, all those ropey t-shirts that you could buy from that market. They all had different color bandanas. There'd yeah, be one with like a, you know, a polka dot one. There'd be one with a green bandana. And and so your mum's probably gone, right, which one's Leonardo? And you've gone, the one with the sword. And then, and then she's gone down. And for some reason, Leonardo's got a purple bandana on, on these ropey t-shirts. And that's your mum making a mental note. She's probably taken more attention than what you thought. I think if Jan starts listening to this, she'll say that she was a bit classier than going down Fanny Island, as it's known nowadays. Uh, by the way, that's Fantasy Island for anyone starts on me and starts thinking it's some sort of sexual thing. Um, so, yeah, look, before we get rocking, I think, uh, Normie, I was going to put you on the spot with this. If I had to say to you, we'll start you easy. I'm going to say 70s. What really sticks out as a 70s film that you love? Taking up taking Pelham 1, 2, 3. Yeah, right, never yeah. seen that. The Sounds Warriors. Good. Was that Pelham? Is that is that three films? Pelham one, two, three. Or is no, that... no, no. It's just one name. It's, it's I, was just, I knew that. Yeah, the hijack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic film. Um, oh, the the first two Dirty Harrys. Um, what else is from the seventies? 
So the Warriors, absolute cult classic. What a film that is. And they use real gang members as well. Oh, this, um, is, this is the norm of it. It's just yeah. Been like, yeah. All right, so we'll skirt it. 90s. So at this point, things are changing for a bit for Norm. Um, so she's knowing him. So what do you remember of the 90s, Normie? Well, we'll start from 99 and work backwards, shall we, with The Matrix. Yeah. Um, what a fantastic film that was. Um, what else came out in the 90s? Wow, you put me on the spot now, haven't you? I've got my head set in the 80s and now you chuck me into the 90s, weren't we? Oh, I'll take Matrix. I remember I was watching that. You said, all right, so in the 80s, I need you two of them. If, if aliens come down and give me two films that you matter most to you about the 80s, what are they and why? Big Trouble in Little China, because it is the most beautifulest, amazing, awe-inspiring film I've ever seen. And I've watched it easily 200 times, perhaps more. And I still love it now as much as the first time. And it has absolutely everything an 80s film what needs and wants. It's got the kung fu, it's got the Chinese mysticism, it's got the love, it's got it's got the it's got the blowhard action hero who's actually useless. It's got the it's got the it's got the Chinese psychic who actually the hero saves it saves everything. It's got the stereotypical bad guys. It is just wonderful. And there's a bit of an extended version as well, which is out there so which I've seen as well, which makes it a little bit better. And that's the end uh, of the pop. Thanks for coming everyone. That's <laughs> it. We're done. And what's the second film if you had to give the aliens to? Um uh, trading places. Yeah again never seen it. Yeah, Trading Places is an absolute classic because when Normie was listing off his, his favourite 70s and 80s movies there, I was sat there thinking, Christ, you've had a charm life there, Norm. You've actually watched some good movies. I was, expect, I was expecting to chuck Godfather in there. My dad, and I've just realised that this puts me in the wrong and kid category. My dad, when I was about eight, chucked on Blazing Saddles. And I thought it was the greatest thing I'd ever seen. And, um, I, you know... Even now, as a kid, I used to quote it all the time. And there's a lot that you can't quote now. In the <laughs> I mean, you Most shouldn't be quoting it back then, like you know what I mean. But, uh, but yeah, you had a you had a charmed life there when uh, when you were growing up, pal. I've still, thank you. I've still got a lot of them on DVD. Actually, it's funny. I've been listening to your podcast and looking at the DVD collection. Thinking, got that, got that, yeah. got that, and I can see them in the DVD collection. <laughs> I haven't got rid of them yet. So uh, we, you're going to find a role in this, Norm. So Fudge will always do his, like, his stats. He's getting there. He likes to do a bit of his research on them. Obviously, you've liked filling them in anyway. So I think with these, I will, I, you know, no one really gives a shit what I think at 42 years old watching yes, these for the first time in some ways. But I'm going to tell you what I thought of this initially. So okay. before I do, as I always do, these are the things that I knew about it before. The things I thought I saw, the things I knew before. So before, this is a funny one. So I think there's a lot of this, which I remember someone with like blazing eyes. I remember it's hard because of the China thing. It's so set where it is. And now seeing it now, I understand why a lot of it I'd confused and thought it was some other film or there's elements of this, which I'm sure you both agree are quite goonies in a way. There's parts of this, which are quite, you know, I've seen Kurt Russell play in another character like this. And it turns out that's one from another film by John Carpenter who he's involved with as well, which is earlier than this. So I'm mixing up all these characters in my head. I must admit, I don't know a lot about it. And and it, it's unlike the other two. I had images of them shit robots on the stairs or you know, <laughs> melting boys, whatever they were. This one was more about that scary Chinese fella. So um, yeah, that's where I'm going to go with, with what I did know. For a brief synopsis, for those of you have not seen the film because I do realize I've been speaking to uh, my other half that not everyone's actually seen these. I mean, she actually said to me something about like, oh, I've not seen either of these ones you spoke about. So the little bit of your thing on IMDb is this is a rough and tumble trucker and his sidekick face off with an ancient sorcerer in a supernatural battle beneath Chinatown. Dan Fudge, I'm coming to you. When did you first see this film? What does it mean to you? 
Uh, I was watching it with the wrong and kid next door that I mentioned last week. I was eight years old again, and I'm sat watching it, and he's fast-forwarding it to the action scenes and all the rest of it. And now I'm going to shoot to a, a scene to the end, and then we'll come back and go through it like we normally do. But the, the bit where he throws the knife, and then he catches it, and then he throws it back, and then chucks it back. You know what I mean? That 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 scene he thought was absolutely outstanding. He was like, oh, my God, you've got to see this thing. It's great. It's amazing. And, and he used to recreate it. He used to make me throw sticks at him so he could catch it, <laughs> throw his shoulder back, and then chuck the stick back at me. Crap game. And, you know, I can't just play hide and seek or something like normal kids do. But, no, we're going to chuck sticks at each other and see who can hit each other between the eyes. So that's how I watched it. And then once again, I got given the top-loading uh, VHS player and went, uh, can I borrow that film? And then yeah, sat and watched it Don, all. Off Don down the road. <laughs> I, I'm absolutely... I remember watching it thinking, this film is mental. Yeah. Like, ment- it's mental. And, and it's only through today's eyes do you see more about the cultural impact and all the uh, the tropes and the stuff that Normie mentioned earlier on. But there's there's parts in it where you're like... Like, for example, there's, there's some monsters in there, right? You've got the... the Floating thing with the eyes. You've got the um, the thing that was he? Yeah, uh, yeah. Crank. Why the fuck are these eyes coming from? There's three three things that just come out for no reason. Harry and the Hendersons turns up. We'll come to it. But yeah, continue, Dan. It just blew my mind. Yeah, go on. And they're absolutely completely underused. I mean, the biggest one that they've got comes out of a hole, and he chucks a bomb at it, and that's it. He's on screen for like a second. Who's made that? Come out no more. What? Huh? What'll come out no more? Come on. <laughs> uh, Normie, who made them? <laughs> Do you know who made those carrot, those weird things that pop out of holes? Actually, I don't, and I've not looked into it, if I'm honest, and I should have done. Um, but I will find. I can try and find out for you. <laughs> well, you know, I like it when it's just a, it's a no one because it's so. But for those who like the bits of stats on it, this is a year before the other ones. We got it's 1986. Uh, according to IMDb, it's a PG-13, which I don't think actually the 13 bit even in, was around then, was it? It would have probably been down as a PG, I'm guessing. A bit just, you know, there's a bit of Kung Fu and that in it. And it's directed by John Carpenter. Now, I've always known him as John Carpenter's The Fog, uh, which I've never seen, obviously. <laughs> obviously, never seen it. Uh, but yeah, it's a good one. So, um, Norm, so yeah, so you're, when did you sort of first really come across this one? What's your first memories of this film that's become one of your favourites? I'm going to have to say around about 10 years old. Um, and I'm probably around at David Ward's house, uh, who lived across uh, the field from me. So we still, he introduced me to Star Wars. So he had, a, again, leather, leather-bound uh, video cases. What colour? <laughs> what colour were they? Black, red. Black and red, because oh. they, she- they were Sheffield United out, so that to be black and red, really, didn't they? Oh, so. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, for those who know, they were probably very illegal pirates, and those people should be investigated. Yeah, but we used to watch it around, yeah, definitely watch it around at his house, and we used to watch it regularly, and yeah, and that's, and then as I grew older, I watched it, watched it, fell in love with it more, as I understood it more, um, and then, yeah, and I still love it today, but what gets me about it is it, in, it, it inspired Mortal Kombat, uh, from, uh, from Mortal Kombat, do you know how many times I've written, written the word Raiden on here? Yeah. I just expected someone to do that hand punching, that palm yeah. punching shit like that. I wrote Raiden at the very start. Egg Chen, the one with the ropey eye right at the start. <laughs> then, did you did you notice though watching that, Ryan, that it starts with an interview with, I want to say, is it a lawyer he's talking yeah, he, to? Yeah, I recognise him from something though. X-Files. There, oh yes, of course it is. But there is no callback to that. No. So you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, I was going to say that. What the hell's it, that about? It's got that start where it goes, 
My name's Egg Chen, and you're probably wondering how I got in this situation. I mean, it, it infers that it doesn't. It doesn't actually say that, but it ends with you know the hero driving away off into the sunset, and it doesn't come back to Egg Chen and going. So that's what happened. There, there was none of that. Like, well, uh, Norm, you might know. Was it was that meant to be a lawyer? Was that meant to be a, a journalist? What? Because there was a woman tapping away behind him on an old uh, keyboard thing there. It was meant to be a lawyer. It was added post production by. I don't know whoever, I think it's Fox or whoever it is, uh, they, the studio decided they needed something in to set it all off, um, to basically set the story off as it actually genuinely really happened, well, you not just imagined it. So being in that courtroom actually made that film a lot more real than just some wild-eyed fantasy yeah. in the in the alleys of San Francisco. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because because yeah. when you've watched that film, you'd have been going, oh, God, if only they'd said that in a, to, a, to a lawyer, I'd have believed that. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, I know. I mean, these green flames, these flying men, you know, these, <laughs> these hey, immortals. So I mean, what's not to believe? <laughs> if I've not said it on the other two films, this will probably be a spoiler if you haven't seen these films so far and make you want to go and see them. Dan, have you got any uh, initial tidbits on the film at the start before I start getting into our main character, Jack? Okay, so I, the, there's there's obviously the overarching thing that I want to get out of the way first because people are going to be intrigued to see how, how we handle this. So I, I kind of prepared a little bit of a speech about the um, cultural appropriation of the uh, of uh, of the movie, so I wanted to I wanted to get that out of the, get that out of the way, as it were. Now, obviously, it's the eighties, and we're looking through it through through today's eyes, nearly forty years later. And um, there is, uh, I found a website that really talks about this, and they talk about. Hang on, let me, I'll, I'll get it up. It's a, and and before you read the article, it says, "Did you watch the trailer for Doctor Strange?" And I thought, what a, what an odd, you know, what an odd opening that is. And it goes into what the um, what the eighties had was called um, Chineseness, right? And, and and I know, and I know, and and I know how this sounds, but well, I just wanted to to broach it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, what what happened was back in the eighties because there wasn't that much known about the um, about Eastern Asia and it, and and its cultures. They they just used to just. We like that. That it's from that part of the country. We'll put that in the movie. So there's there's reference to Japanese and uh, and Thai and and Chinese um, cultural, uh, you know, tropes as it were that they yeah. just put into this hotchpot and and they just they, it got referred to as Hollywood Chineseness and yeah. and that is very prevalent through the end through the entire movie that they just gone yeah you know they they do that over in East Asia let's just get that in there and and there's and obviously now we're a lot more educated on it with the advent of the information that's that's available and um and and that so in there you've got different uh, martial art and fighting techniques and things like this that that's also in there um but the, I think what this movie does better than most movies of the era, and it's something that Norm picked up on earlier on, is the um, the the trope is called, and it's not me giving this name. This is the name of the trope. It's called White Savior, where no. where the white guy comes in and everything's okay because the white yeah. guy is here. Now there's a great scene in it where, and again, Norm, Norm picked up on it really well that the um, that his perceived sidekick uh, Wang. Kicks, the, kicks, kicks like kicks the heading of about six geezers, doesn't he, Mark? Yep. And uh, and and then at the end of the scene, um, Jack Burton, Jack Burton, Jack Burton, you don't you don't mess around with Jack Burton. Has just got his knife out, and he's already so yeah, the yeah. hero of the hero of the piece is the sidekick, sidekick, as it were. He's and Jack me. Burton is 
just a truck driver who thinks he's Indiana Jones, right? Who I've written here eats with his mouth full. Eats with his, well, how, how else would he do it? Well, yeah, you know what I'm saying. Talks, sorry, talks with his mouth full. Is it, you know, when he's doing it, the old Yankee Yankee one, two in his uh, truck, which I must say, and I'll probably repeat it a lot. He likes that truck, don't he, lads? He's oh, yeah. mad on that truck. The it's, Pork Chop Express. What's it called? The Pork Chop Express. Did the, did the truck matter to you as a kid? I guess if you're into Optimus Prime, was the truck a thing back then, Norm? Were you into big mm, wheels and, you know, like not that? really, no. Um, just to go on a side note, it does appear in uh, Ready Player One, if you've watched that, which just brings all popular culture from everything. It appears in that. But no, not really. It wasn't, see, Big Trouble Little China was, um, wasn't marketed very well at all. It gained a cult, a cult following and then right. went from, and, and has grown considerably over the last 30 years since, there, since then. So, Did you think, though, because I know we've had conversations like this about sort of terminology you might have used growing up in, you know, as a kid in Skeg, and you might say when you move to London, you can't say that, you can't say this, and not in a way that I ever said any words that I thought were being funny with it, but did you just, were you just obsessed with something, if it was like China or if it was Asia, did you just think it was cool moves and God knows what, there was no thing of it of going, you'd say to some kid that you saw at school who looked like they're from around, oh, you know, this or that, you know, did it, it wasn't literally big trouble in, in Big Sheffield because you'd watched this film, put it that way. no. No, it was it was it was just the the kung fu basically. Everyone loved kung fu, didn't they? Back in the eighties, it was the kung fu aspect of it and bit to begin with. Yeah. Uh, and and the, the the fight scene in the alley when they were during the funeral and the moves of the close quarters combat, it's just all that. And then you just learn to love everything else as as you as the film expands and your mind expands as you get older as well. But no, there's so, no special stereotypes for me. Sorry to interrupt there, Norm, because I, I'm just I'm just thinking of Ryan watching this for the first time. And yeah. there's a moment before the two women with the jade eyes. What, do you mean when the three most gangstery men in the world come along and are very obviously gangsters with the most 80s weapons possible? Yeah, <laughs> that, right. So, so like, there's there's a bit where the, the two women with the jade eyes have to touch the, what I think it's the fire sword, is that correct? The burning, the burning oh. flame. And then the, uh, they get hoisted up into the air to touch a light bulb. And then it, the the green eyes shone on the little statue. So Lao Ping, Lao Ping, just, just decides Lao Pan. Pan. He goes, I'm going to marry them both because the you know they did the sword thing. All right. Now during that scene, during the marriage scene, we are subjected to what can only be described as a a showcase of their uh, of their abilities. I mean, the three guys are the thunder, lightning, and rain. They're like yeah. they're elementals, aren't they? Right. And. And they, and one of them can randomly swell up, which I found really weird. Yeah, but he doesn't um, do it until the end. I mean, it's like properly. He has a bit of a go in that little room, doesn't he? But then he, and that bit. I mean, we're sort of doing this out of order a bit. When that happened, I was like, oh yeah. I mean, obviously, obviously, that's he looked like some out of the meaning of life. Yeah, he does. He looks like uh, Mister <laughs> Mister Chris. So it is only Wapertin. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna ride you back a tiny bit down. So, so at the start, you've got your man. You got your man Jack in uh, in his in his what you say, Port Chop Express. Yep. He's going along. You don't really know what he's doing. He's just riding in, he's going to have some beers with the lads, and he make a bit of money playing cards um, down at the side alley, drinking some beers. Yep. I must admit, at the start, I thought um, your man Wan there, Wang, might have been a bit of a bad lad. You know, when he's trying to do his little bottle trick. It's all on the reflexes. Yeah, what was he thinking there? Like we again, we didn't get a throwback to this at all. I thought that this was something that he could do, and he went, "I'm going to chop this bottle in half," and that, and then it, it didn't. He failed, thinking I'm, that this is going to be a setup. This is going to be some foreshadowing, <laughs> and it wasn't. It was just him well, smashing it a bottle. <laughs> you know me well enough, Dan. I'm, I'm a cancer. Yeah, I'm a bit of a uh, what's the word, pernickety bastard. I'd be going, "Hold on, so is it length ways? Is it in half? I mean, are we talking in half? Because this is some yeah, trick. Yeah. 
You know, like when someone, what's that thing I showed years ago where some bloke in a, in a campsite showed me, he said, I can get three football teams out of these coins. You remember this? I told you this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's got these three coins and he's moves them around normally. He went altering them. And then he went old them and he's got them in his hand like that. And then he walked off and he went Dundee. As in he nicked the coins. And I thought it was going to be some sort of crap like that where I've been like, I mean, it was only 4p. I was like, you can have them, mate. Um, but like, what what's all that that bit there all that bit is that just building jack for you norm is that just building who he is he's a bit of a any drink drives and he's just a bit he's a bit lost in the old jack it's building jack up at that point but it's all it's, but it's also uh, it is foreshadowing uh, um wow cheers uh, wang chi as well uh, because he can actually do that and he explains that, that his spirit is going north and south so what it's surreptitiously doing is letting, you, fo- let, letting you focus on jack well, but your mind is actually casting, who well, was this little Chinese guy? He, he looks pretty handy. And if he thinks he can do that, what's he going to do later on? And well, he doesn't disappoint. I got the North and South coming, Norm? I go, where, where tell you this from? Like, I am. I, I, I got, I'm just going to check some notes here. You know, like, I'm, I'm just a that thing that, uh, that waitresses do when they frantically look through their pad when they've missed an order. Like, <laughs> what? Hang on. Yeah, you, yeah you're going to have to, you're going to have to explain that one to me, Norm. So, hang on. He's sat there at a table playing cards and he goes, double yep. or nothing for nearly two and a half grand. I'm going to yep. chop this bottle in half. Now, yep. as Ryan says, we didn't go through the rules of what in half meant. I mean, <laughs> I, know, I could chop a bottle in half with a, with a, with a sword. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, but there was no, you know, is it a clean cut? Can it just be smashed <laughs> to pieces? Is it in half? Do I just separate it like, like a credit card and the white stuff like Al Pacino? But so when does that get explained? Well, after, after on the way to the airport, when he's in, in the truck, going to pick up his girlfriend, he said, "That's why the bottle didn't break. My spirit is going north and south." And um, then Jack Jack looks at him very suspicious, going, "Yeah, all right, man, whatever." You know, like, that's that's, do that's that. thirty seconds later. That's thirty seconds later. Yeah, in literally. The movie. Yeah, yeah. And I picked up. I picked. I've seen that many times. You pick, I picked up on all these little things that explain who these characters are throughout the whole film. <laughs> Normie could basically write them all a Christmas card by now. So they end up at the airport. Kim Cattrall's there looking very much like um, the girl from Kick-Ass. What do you call her? The young lass. Um, Gosh, she's in all sorts of things. She's also in 500 Days of Summer. Really famous. Um, Zoe Deschanel. Yes. Oh, no, 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 not that one. The younger one. The one who plays the sister of the other lad who's in it. I'll I'll find her name on IMDb at some point. But she reminded me of her. And then the most beautiful-eyed woman you've ever seen in the world comes out. Mm. And then some funky sort of chicken-headed dancing kind of goons come along. And you're going, hey, these are rum buggers, as we often say. And I just, I don't think I saw nunchucks. Can you remember what the weaponry is here, Norm, that comes out? I know there's an Uzi or something in there. A flick knife or rainbow knife, butterfly knife, call it what you will. And then he, bring, he brings that. I think it's the same thing Donatello carries from Teen Mutant Ninja Turtles. And, oh, stick. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then they just chucks him up and then they run off with that girl. It's a really rubbish kidnapping. And why is no one kicking off in that place? I, I know we said we won't do this just by going, why did that happen? Because it's a film, you've got to let it go. But you, you can see them lads coming a long way, can't you? Them three. Yes, well, you know, they're... <laughs> the professionals. The professionals who just who want to steal a girl to sell it to prostitution, as you do. <laughs> so, as we said before, actually, Dan, I will say we were on about last week, weren't we, about the thing of how women represented in these, you know, it's a different time, but there is yeah. a bit more of a, a presence here and a bit more of a character thing going on with the two, the two women characters aren't just, I mean, the one with the green eyes, who she yep. basically just stays asleep quite a lot, gets thrown through a window, I think, at one point, but yep. 
otherwise, there's a lot more going on with the, uh, especially as I call her, uh, Mrs. Exposition, the uh, journalist woman who I've never, is this on purpose? Is this meant to be like a 50s gumball thing they're doing here where they're sort of going, you know, John? Oh, you know, John who married so-and-so went down the road. Was that on purpose? Or what, Yeah, what, she, she's like that? the narrator. I always thought that her character, uh, the, the red-headed lady, I want to say she was red-headed, and the, uh, I want to say it was the maitre d' of the restaurant. I, what was the point of those two people in this entire movie? They they kind of just, they went, oh, well, that's that. This is the narrator. <laughs> and then I'm going to explain this to you while you're in a kimono because, you know, that's, yeah, we expect to wear a kimono because it's Hollywood in the 80s. And 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 you're like, well, what, what are you doing here? But there is very much the damsel in distress, damsel in distress trope, isn't there, in this entire movie? Because the, you know, the, the, the Asian lady in it with the green eyes, I don't even know if she has a line in the entire film, does she? Does she talk? I don't think she does. You're thinking of so it's Kate Bar- Kate Burton who plays Margot. She's the uh, the journalisty type, isn't she? She's the one who mm-hmm. just over explains everything. Yeah. And I think it's Donald Lee you're talking about. Plays Eddie Lee. Is that right? Eddie is that what he's called? The other one, Norm. You know, you you. Yep, Eddie. Yeah, uh, yep, Eddie. He's the uh, he's the maitre d. She, she, I think she literally does have one or two lines when she's kicking off at Lopan when he's stabbing her when they're trying to get married. She says, I don't yeah, she's to saying ow and screaming. I, yeah. I, don't, I don't even know if that counts. I mean, she'll probably well, get paid the extra quid for, a, you know, the extra 80 quid for an extras fee. But Well, maybe. She says yes as well. <laughs> that's, a, that's about it. She's pretty Check, checks notes. Um, so so he's got he's they're trying to sort out what's going on, and uh, Jack takes them for a little rock. Now, those streets are pretty windy for taking that big old truck in. Uh, I, yeah, I trouble that straight away. And they've, <laughs> they've trapped him. And then what can only be described as it all kicks off. And in my head, I'm going, Oh, it's quite. I'm not. I wasn't liking it. I must admit at that point, I was annoyed by Jack's attitude generally. Old Jack always says, "What the hell?" I couldn't warm to him. I thought he was an '80s Chris Pratt. That's what I felt it was. It was just you know what I mean. Or Chris Pratt, it's exactly what he is. He's yeah. exactly that kind of bloke, isn't it? Yeah. That's a very good description. Yeah, it really is. You know, I've never thought of that before. I think that might have been Natalie who said that, but I'm nicking it anyway because she's not on the podcast. So I love you. <laughs> um, so then they get stuck in that thing and then all hell breaks loose. And in my head, remember, I don't know if this is coming. I'm thinking, oh, a bit of Kung Fu. Oh, he shot that thing and it's got his head on. They've dropped the coffin. I thought it was going to be like a, a mafia thing where oh, hey, it's really a Bren gun because it was set in the First World War. And what happens? Three people with lampshades on their head who look like Raiden fall out the sky and start firing. Right, hang on, hang on. Yeah, I need I I need to ask you this. What did you think? Where did you think this movie was going to go when those three turned up? When they were trapped in the van, there was a bit where Wang said to him, "Shh, don't make a noise." And I thought, do you know what? If this was a standstill and it was all kicking off, and some bloke went, <clears throat> you'd be really hard pressed to shoot someone for that or give him a chop <laughs> to the throat. Go, Sorry, I've just got a tickly throat, and you're there going, "Hey, you kill him!" That bloke in the van because it's not like they've missed the van. It's huge. That is a massive truck. It's like Chris Eubank going around Brighton. Jesus Christ. <laughs> you know, it's just like, hey, oh, there's Eubank again. Hunk, hunk. Um, so, no, I was, I was just thought, oh, hey, up, it's kicking off. And, you know, we've seen battles like that in all sorts of things, Game of Thrones, whatever it might be in modern times. When the lampshade blokes fell out the sky, that's when I think I did say, and I quote, what the fuck? So you didn't think it was going to be a, a fantasy adventure movie by I, this point? I knew the bloke had shiny eyes, or I thought he did. and I, I knew there was him. And then he could... Do you know what I will say, though? It's sort of cutting ahead again. There's a bit where they said, oh, my God, he's like nine feet tall. Don't they? Something like that. I don't think he ever come across that tall. Right. Okay. I've made, a, I've made a note of this when I, w- I watched it back to, to make some notes. And they keep referencing that he's like 10 to 12 feet tall, is Lu Pang, in this entire movie. And the only time you see him stood next to somebody, because he's either in the wheelchair as a 2,000-year-old man, or he stood on his own on top of a plinth, 
is when he's next to the East Asian girl with the with the green eyes, right? Uh, when he's trying to put the uh, oh no, come on, remind me of the name of that needle. I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to say it's got a name like the marriage needles, needle. Dan. He wasn't into needles. So <laughs> no, just, 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 just cops getting tortured with shotguns, that's it. <laughs> yeah, you can, rattle, you can rattle off every name for a flick knife that the 80s has ever seen, but the name of the needle that gets you married <laughs> in Big Trouble in Little China is an absolute blank space for you, an absolute blind spot. Well, you know, there's certain things that, that have escaped my memory, I must admit. <laughs> You've got to remember, Dan, as well, that back in Sheffield in the 80s, he was more likely to get hold of a butterfly fly knife, what the fuck he called it, than he was a marriage now. needle. There wasn't a lot of marriage needles going on in Sheffield. Halfway <laughs> wasn't known for it, wasn't known. Um, <laughs> So no, he's he's not as tall as he made out. I didn't think he was. And he, I found out, he's the bloke who's later on in uh, Wayne's World too, isn't he? He's in everything. He's in he's everything. In everything. The, I, I've actually I've actually got it got him up ready. His name is James Hong. He's in uh, he's in Big Bang Theory. He's in Friends. Uh, he's in Seinfeld. He's honestly, you name it, he's been in everything. Because I, I was gonna I was gonna mention this earlier on because there's there's a couple of actors in it where they fit the. Hollywood Chineseness. I'm I'm gonna give it. I'm yeah. gonna give that name. And the other guy is a guy called Al Leong. Now, the most famous role that, that you can... normally laughing because he's in absolutely everything. He plays. I'm gonna use the term Oriental henchman in everything. <laughs> right. I can't find him. I'm trying to find his face. I can see right. Craig. Ng. Right. You ready? Yeah. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Genghis Khan. Oh. Okay, I know that one. I've seen that one. Okay, so he's in he's in Die Hard. He's he's a henchman in Die Hard. He's uh, he's a henchman in oh, Last Action Hero. He's one of the thugs in that, isn't he? He's in Bezalel's Cop Three. Um, I'm reading these now. They made a movie out of the computer game Double Dragon. He's in that. He's in Godzilla, the 1998 Jamiroquai one. Oh, I've seen that. Yeah, and then he, and then he's in uh, TV films like uh, A Team, MacGyver, Heart to Heart, T.J. Hooker, The Equalizer. You name the big shows at the time. He was in them all. Al Young. Uh, so, Normie, what was the needle called that um, <laughs> that he used? <laughs> <laughs> no idea. Hey, what, I was, I was listening the to the Al Long list. He was in Lethal Weapon as well. He uh, he, oh, he, he, he tortured uh, Mel Gibson in Lethal Weapon. <laughs> Can we do Lethal Weapon sometimes? I'm not seeing that either. Yeah, but yes. they're all good lethal weapons, all four of them. Oh, oh, Mad Max, by the way, I've not seen them. Yeah, get Mad Max on as well. All right, okay, so I've, I've heard things about that. I'm going to move on because I've got a long list and not a lot of time. Get so uh, we've got Lampshade Raidens come out the sky. Uh, I've written shirt off, don't know why. Woman thrown through panel, concubines, exposition, crystal maze. Right, there we go. So there was definitely a point where the two lads went through like a fireplace and I thought... And Natalie kept saying it next to me. Are they in the industrial zone now? Is this because <laughs> every part of this film seems like they've gone to another zone in the crystal maze? It may need a bit of explanation for those who haven't seen. Oh no, it's, it's out again, isn't it now? But yeah, the four zones. It felt like it was very much they'd got a bit of set there, and they were going to use the shit out of it. Is that is that what's going? I don't know who's going to take this one out the two of you, but it felt very crystal mazy to me. The set. North. Yes, sorry. Yes, you're right, and it, that's what added to the mis mystery of of this this little pan character in his lair. Is it, yeah. it, it just showed you on the outside it was just a warehouse, but behind behind that nice stereotypical facade, it was just this underground labyrinth of torture and death and the very many hell, hell, levels of Chinese hell. Wow. I never thought wow. we were going there. But can I just add, add two things that come to my mind here as well as a first time watcher? I like how they got Paul Whitehouse to play him when he was an old man. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> 
Jesus Christ, that was Paul Whitehouse. And the bit that really got me, and I don't know if it is because of Don and our Terry and Icky down at the shop and all the market and all these people we knew growing up as a kid, but I love how they kept calling him Dave. It really got to me how he's Dave. Now listen here, Dave. It just it just really got me that there's that, that old bloke who's an evil bloke called Dave. It just I don't know if that was meant to be as funny as it was or if that's not a funny name in America or whatever it was, but I don't know. Dan's looking really, really confused. Who gets called Dave? <laughs> David Lopan. And when he's in his wheelchair, Jack Burton Oh, that's right. Yeah, when he's in the wheelchair, they call him yeah. Dave. That is, well, yes, that is quite funny, yes. When he's been so dismissive of him, he didn't believe him for one minute that he's, yeah, that he's, he's a 2000 year immortal. Yeah, you're not the 12-foot guy that I ran over, Dave. Yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah, that is quite funny. Yeah. He does loads of bits where he's going like, oh, you know, thanks, Dave. It was just like, it really got to me that. I, I guess if you had any mates called Dave, it was perfect, wasn't it? Um, and also, when he turns into the evil version, I guess he's still low pan. It's Gary Oldman. It looks like that's set up for Gary Oldman as Dracula, isn't it? Which uh-huh. I, <laughs> I never thought of that. <laughs> that's, that's, that's another great analogy. So innocent. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. So over, overall, when you're watching it as a kid, Norm, are you sort of just going at this point, w- w- did you hate the bits where it was all conversational? Were you like, just start kicking someone's ass? We're going to come to the monsters in a minute because uh, we're going to mention slapstick in a minute. But it's, uh, yeah, were you just, were you just bored of that bit or was it was it the humour in it you quite liked? Did you like Jack? Was he a spicy lad when you were young? Um, I, I only recall the quotable lines, which, of which there is many, but like, are you ready, Jack? I was born ready son of a bitch must pay and stuff like that. That's all we used to pick up on when we were kids and then all the Kung Fu and all the monsters and all the magic. Uh, as I've, the, the plot came to like, as I got a bit older and started watching it, mainly, mainly when I uh, um, used to do recreational things with you, <laughs> friendly, friend. <laughs> and, and then it's, uh, that, all that stuff used to come out more like, oh, wow, this is actually quite deep Kung Fu. That, hold on, that's what you were saying at that New Year's Eve party in 2001. You were calling we, it we, we, were talking, we were talking about Big Sean Little China at that party, no doubt, and we just can't remember. <laughs> Yeah, I don't remember my skin falling off and like light coming out of my mouth, but it, you know it could have done that. It was at the end of the day, Hunter's Bar, and it was an early part of the century. Um, slapstick, Dan Fudge, talk to me about the tropes of that because there's so many parts of this. I, I, do you know what? If, if I'm adding it up, there was bits of it that were B film. There was bits of it was B film script for me. There was yeah, bits yeah. that were slapstick kind of. I'm almost uh, for those of you if you listen to this further afield from the UK, two of the finest comedians you're ever going to see from the Rother Valley, the Chuckle Brothers. Check them out. They are the kings of slapstick. They support the Millers, unfortunately, uh, the Millers of Rotherham. But that kind of slapstick, you know, Keaton and other, they learn everything from the Chuckles. They're, they're top top notch down at the Embassy in Skeg every summer. Uh, not anymore. One of them's deed, unfortunately. But um, yeah. There we go. Um, so what are you giving me the winky eye for? Is that a bit we're cutting? Are we just going to do a cut on that one right now and do a clap? No, I was like, you, you were telling them that they're at Skegness Embassy Centre every year, but one of them's deed of death. Uh, All right, we'll leave it. it. Yeah, it's, it's, the, it's the little one that got caught a few years ago sending what he called fruity emails to somebody else's missus. I mean, can you imagine that? That, you, that your missus is having an inappropriate conversation with Barry Chuckle? He looked like Low Pan as well, didn't he? By the end, bless him. I don't really want to knock him. I like the chuckles. And Paul sent a really lovely message to my sister for Christmas, bless him. But um, to, he told to, me to f off in B and Q in Rotherham in 1989. <laughs> I love it. Have you got any stories about the Chuckle Brothers, Norm? Um, actually, I don't. I've never. I'm, I'm not one for meeting random celebrities. I never have them. Um, oh, I'm, I'm, I used to be on Ryan all the time. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> it was what, one of my favourites. Is Horn Ladder was at school and he went something like he went. Oh, you know, my auntie used to go out with Tony Coton. For those who don't know, Man City Keeper, early 90s. It was just yeah. a random one. He just come out with it at a party. Like, Good. Did he treat it well? No, I took it for a date. Didn't see her again. Um, anyway, the Chuckle Brothers slapstick. Dan, slapstick. Over- okay, so we had a few slapstick moments, didn't we? So we had the one that 
pissed me off was the first time you see that uh, that monster that looks like Beast Man from from He Man, where they're just about to get that get out, and and it's it's got that oh, same man. thing that. Yeah, and the hand just and and Kim Cattrall kind of puts her face right up close, and it's really ham pantomime acting, and she like she can't see what's in front of her and goes, "Whoop!" Uh, yeah. Follow the leader. One, two, three. <laughs> we may be trapped. Come on now, that that just annoyed me. That just annoyed me. And then there was a couple where they're walking underneath the. Um, you know, the stalagmites and stalactites and they're looking at the life force of the earth or whatever that black sludge was, <laughs> oil, probably. Oh, yeah. And, um, and then the, the foot slips and then they walk around and then the, the other monster comes out and you're like, oh, God, this is... But I, I, t- I tell you what it is, there, there's this... And it seems to have had a bit of a resurgence the last few years, but um, martial arts movies um, tend to have really terrible ham acting. Like, obviously... The, the audience that that it's intended for the acting isn't as high up on the on on the list as as what the 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 martial arts display is so when you spin on forward into the movie and it's that cable martial arts where you've got the guy you've got wang and the guy with a ponytail doing these arches towards each other and laying on their side and still fighting through the air shit <laughs> I mean, it's shit what's the point of it before we unleash normie on that i'm just going to say when that was happening i commented to natalie i went they would find this a lot easier fighting on the floor in it it was annoying me because they both yeah. had to do a jump and i know I'm, I'm 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 well the wrong audience for it i mean i'm probably more the audience than a, an eight-year-old was or whatever it was for robocop but the, i guess you like the flying fighting did you norm as a kid because for me i was just going lads just settle it on the floor in it of course, I like the flying fly fighting when I was a kid. His <laughs> guys jumping around on wires, cutting each other with swords. What's not like? <laughs> why at the same? You said you might know. So first of all, uh, the other one before we come to the robots is what I like how he's coming in from what looks like the Trocadero in London down that staircase. That's another one that Natalie picked out. You know, he's coming down like. And he, she said, "Why are they in the Trocadero?" And every time she went Trocadero again, and I went, "Yeah, it is." And she started singing Trocadero every time he come in. Um, mm. And also, it really did remind me of a film that I've not seen called Temple of Doom. Yeah, yeah, it did. But I'll tell you what, though, right? You were mentioning the sets, and they only had a couple of sets. That that throne room set that they've got with the the neon around the statues yeah. and stuff like that—they chucked some money at that. There was some there were some big sets in that in that in that movie. I mean, That's you had the statues with the neon around it, and you had the. I think one of the, uh, I think it's Thunder that gets thrown onto the balcony and then comes back. And then now you've said that, it, it could actually have been the same set from Temple of Doom. I think it was the Trocadero of Doom. That's what we're going to call it. <laughs> um, I, I tell you what, being the similar age that we are, lads, and uh, I, I don't know if you had access to it at, at the time, but in the early 90s, that's where they used to film the Nickelodeon um Oh, show it? didn't it that's where they used to present from the oh, yeah, yeah, Trocadero. so all the kids would be in the background and i remember th- being really jealous of those kids and then that and then it. thinking well what did they actually do they just stood there waving having been a kid who went down to be on going live and stuff quite a bit as a kid sometimes it, yeah it was all right you just, just sit there for a bit i remember my, my uh, megan going like there's me and me forest away shirt in 1994 with brian roy on the back <laughs> Behind Torval and Dean pulling faces, you know, <laughs> it, it was all right. And then she got kidnapped by Cher, which is a true story. Um, I'll tell that on another thing. Um, so we've got slapstick. There's a, there's a, there's a reference I, I missed, but I say, luckily, watching it with somebody else, he picked it up for me. Normie, what is the Titanic reference that is in this film? The Titanic reference? It's clearly, there's, 
it's funny if it was because of it, but it clearly isn't. There is a bit in this film where James Cameron could have nicked for Titanic, and it's hilarious when you realise it. And it's all you, Natalie's getting kudos on this one. You're gonna have to tell me that one. I don't know that one. They're in the sewers or something, Kim Cattrall and Kurt Russell, and they're on like a bit of a floating thing, and she goes, Hold on to me, Jack. Don't let go, Jack. Yeah, she oh, goes, don't, don't oh, let go, right. Jack. And I was like, I didn't notice it. And Natalie went, That's from Titanic. I was like, What? No, it's yes, but it's like 12 years in the future. so yeah for those of you watching look out for the titanic reference in that one as well um we'll come to the monsters because after you said harry and the hendersons turns up uh, bigfoot Mm -hmm. he's got a bit of a job and he's facing very nice bit of a grim face don't like that one but i think as a kid that might have got you Mm -hmm. uh but then what can only be described as say either krang from turtles or the covid disease he looks like the covid thing (laughs) you know he turns up he's yeah, what's what's his? Do they speak through his head, Norm? What's going on with him? Is he a speaker? He's connected to Lopan telepathically, and oh, what he sees, Lopan knows. He's <laughs> like a little, he's like he's like a flesh and blood CCTV camera, basically that floats around. Yeah, but <laughs> flesh and blood CCTV camera, brilliant. <laughs> you said the word little. I reckon he's about two foot. Uh, <laughs> and then secondly, he's not very inconspicuous, is he? Well, I don't think he goes out much, but you know, if he's uh, if, if he's just wandering around them, around them caverns of doom, I think he might be all right. You know, he might, might get away but with it. I, I tell you what, though, but all this story was was cracking on, right? Everything was happening. Lopin's just getting away with what he wants, and we didn't we didn't see this this really useful device that gives Lopang the heads up that someone's out to get him. And until about halfway through the film, like if it had had that right from the start, he'd have got away with it had it not been for uh, Jack and Wang. You know what I mean? Like, what, where, where was this? And then there was an also a bit in it. I don't know if you noticed why I'm watching it again. But when it's talking, it's, when the uh, when Lupang's talking through the the eye crank, what's it called? Eye crank. All right. The uh, there is an eyeball in its mouth. Yeah, that fill, fills its entire mouth. Yeah. Right, it, it, it fills its mouth, but then when it gets stabbed in the head about ten minutes later, oh no! It, I don't even think it gets stabbed. It just it just randomly cuts to it, and it starts waggling its tongue. And on the end of its tongue is a small eyeball. I'm like, well, oh. where's the big one from earlier on? It really annoyed me. It really annoyed me as a kid, and it really annoyed me when I watched it yesterday. I almost feel like I need to ask someone who might know called Mark Corner. Normie, what did what did what did you think of the brain and what's what's its anatomy? What's what's it called? It's got a character name. I don't think he has got a character name, if I'm honest. I think he's, I think he's just uh, wrote low, low pan's eyes, as it, uh, it is. It's just, just low pan's eyes. What, what, what he sees, low pan knows, and he does get stabbed in the head. Moss is wang. She stabs him with a sword, and he goes. <laughs> It makes that it makes the 80s sound as it's dying. Yeah. Like, all right, fair enough. Okay, no problem. That's that's the last time you see it, but you should have chopped it in half and see what we're inside. That'd have been much better. 80s, uh, bit of 80s go. You know. I think you might have buggered your rating at that point when you've just got a brain in half that's floating around with a tongue eye. Well, bit of a fantasy, you know. Can I just? There's another one as well. So I, randomly, I have seen. I like a lot of those old, like the original Time Machine from like the 50s, 60s, and I like a lot of Lionel Jeffries films from that time as well. And it does all them kind of like journey to the center of the earth and first men in the moon, men who lived in the moon, all those kind of. I love those feel of those films. And some of them films have these really beautiful things where the scenery is kind of been painted and they're obviously walking amongst them. They're a bit like um, oh, the guy that's the main feature of Hugo, played by Ben Kingsley, is all those original 20s films, you know, where like the moon flies, you know, the, the rocket in the eye and all that. And there's a bit of that in this when they're hopping around the sewers where it's a distance. And when that monster comes out of the pipe, 
that Fudge was on about that massive bloody monster. And I went, fucking hell, because he's <laughs> come out of nowhere. It's and then completely he, he, needless as well. It yeah. has no bearing on the story whatsoever, does it? That was someone's job to make that bugger for a few weeks. And it really reminded me of them old films. Does Norman, you're a fan of the fish, the fish tube monster? Yes, I am. Because, it, oh. again, it just breaks into, into the whole mysticism of the film from... An elemental point of view. Someone mentioned elemental point of view from earlier on, and it, yeah. and it, it, it does because you've got you've got Jack Burton, who's just just a, just an ignorant truck driver who has no idea what's going on on, on, on in a bigger world. Is introduced to that into in that environment, and he's still plainly oblivious to it all. This thing feel- comes out. Look, uh, Wang Xin knows what it is, and they all the rest of them know what it is. All these Chinese fellows know what oh, exactly it is, and he doesn't. It just highlights the ignorance of, of of us Westerners. Yeah, pretty pretty ignorant, not knowing what lives in a pipe. In, well, yeah. uh, in China. Yeah, yeah. Can you if that truck driver was actually from Doncaster or something doing it. <laughs> oh, the hell? Okay, it's that. Works for Stanton Logistics. <laughs> <laughs> Sanderson. Uh, but he's, that's really killed Dan, I think. Yeah, that, that got me that. <laughs> Dan, can you, uh, can you tell me the reaction of a Doncaster truck driver seeing a fish? Yeah, I, I, think, I think you go, what the bloody hell? Like, that would have been it. I, oh, I, I still... <laughs> I still do it now. I, I live on the south coast now. I try and, you know, pronounce all of the words instead of pronouncing <laughs> all words. And I try and, you know, make a non-regional diction, but still maintain my northern personality. But every now and again, if somebody makes me jump, I go, bloody hell, fire. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, especially if a massive fish comes out. So I'm going to give my award this week for film, person in the background or whatever, the random person. Uh, it's it's not just about the thing they do. It's about the thought of them going home and telling their other half or, you know, uh, exclusive other, or maybe not just exclusive, uh, what they did at work today. And mine is the bloke who eats a bit of fish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He, kind of, he bites it from the head as well and then offers it around. Uh, and you can imagine going back and going, well, I had a right day at work today. I offered him some fish. Didn't want any ignorant white folk. Can't, you know, can't can't please anybody. What did you do today? I ate a fish. Because you tell you what, you'd want to do that in one take, wouldn't you? Biting the head off the dotty old fish and giving it to Jack. Jack don't want it. <laughs> um, want it. So uh, we're nearly at the end of this. Where it is why? Why? Because I can't remember. Why have I written down PlayStation in the air? Normie. Because they're having they're having the battle. Um, low pans like that with his little sorcerer ways and uh, eggshells like that with his ring. Uh, and the big two mystic warriors are fighting with the holograms, and then it, oh yeah. It, it comes out with the immortal line, you never could beat me, Eggshen. And, yeah. So and who are then, those lads in the air? You, they've got nothing to do with anything, have they, or what? Or am I not... Norman's going to close his eyes again and go, you don't understand the <laughs> mystical ways of the East. <laughs> well, neither do I, but, you know, they're just magic. They're just magic, just just to, just, em, just emphasise the magicness of the film. I'm using magic a lot now, because my vocabulary's leaving me. But, uh, um, yeah, no... I forgot that's what they were doing. PlayStation. Dan, did you? Were you a fan of the, uh, the 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 wild air thumbs? Yeah, two big avatars come out, don't they? And and then Lao Lao Ping just starts rubbing his thumbs. And this is a good number of years before we see Low Pan Man. Even I know that Normie's going to absolutely lose his mind. Low Pan. I'm going to have to remember that. I might have to, might have to make a note of that. So Low Pan is doing the thumbs, and this is a good number of years before a, a controller that operates like that sideways on like that no has come out. we haven't seen out. one yet i think right? the, nez is out. the nez is out at this point the nes and yeah the first one is also oh, probably was a reference to playing a computer game then that's probably what it was but whereas egg egg wang young he doesn't need it he's just <laughs> he's just got his ring what's his power, name i've got it power, wrong, he's got his power rangers ring as egg shen <laughs> egg shen that's it because he's got a really 
a really <laughs> semi-racist name to his uh, his truck company, hasn't he? What's written on the side of the bus, Norm? Egg, egg for young tours. Of course. Gosh, that's it. <laughs> Taking people around. Uh, and do you know what the irony is of all of this film? I might not have seen this film, but I've actually been to Chinatown in San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have. Because I, I saw it when it comes to it. I went, I, I mean, there's a few Chinatowns all around the place, isn't there? And I was like, I've been there. I've seen but them But it, it does look like that, doesn't it? Yeah. It was. I mean, I didn't go underground and sort of throw a rock at a fish in a pipe or, you know, stiletto <laughs> a brain or whatever. But... Um, should have done. <laughs> yeah, can you imagine? In this age, I've just come on a pilgrimage for this film that I've never seen. I just want to come and some stab some stuff. Um, overall, yeah, Jack Burton is a bit of a douche. He's not clever. He's ignorant to a lot of it. Um, and I, I think ultimately you're not... I worry about this. You know, we've had three films now. Arnie is a man done wrong in lots of ways in Running Man. All right, mm-hmm. and we can get behind that. Robocop is a load of shit. I don't care what you say, Normie. There's a man who's just got basically a bicep left and a nose, and they turn him into a computer, and he has no feeling, and, it's, and his balls have ended up somewhere. It's wrong. He's still got his memories. He hasn't got memories. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, all right, then. <laughs> Heaven forbid anything happens to you, Mark Norman. So I come into a hospital and see you and go, how's your arms? Fucked. Well, it's your memories. It's all I've got. You will be saying to me, throw me into that tube. Well, I, I want to come on the podcast again first, just to have, have, <laughs> go from what, there. For another memory. <laughs> With another memory. Do you think that should have been the tagline, Robocop? At least he's got his memories. At least he's got his memories. Definitely. <laughs> is, should we, do you think we should touch Robocop 2 at any point, or is that just let, leave it alone? Then? Uh, we've, we've, got a couple of, we've got a couple of shit movies to get through. Oh, first, no, no, I don't mean... We're not going anywhere near it for a while. We can't do the repeat, but yeah, all right, we'll, we'll part that. Um, we're getting to the point where we'll talk about the end of it. I, I think, for me, as the, as the new man and um, new man to this film, Robo, Robocop was, I say, god-awful. I gave it a four. Um, I think I gave Running Man... Was it a six? Six, yes, I think so. Because I, I don't, I still don't want to kind of shoot me load. Pardon the, the 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 terminology. Because I think there's more to come. Don't give me the fucking eyes, especially on a podcast. I don't know if you want me to stop. Um, but I, you know, ten, you know, ten for me is like there's so many films that I think are perfect, and you know, ones I do love that I still think when I compare some of these bits of tat, you know, it's like sorry, Norman, he's going to absolutely lose his mind. I am going to give this. This was the best of the three. It was the most entertaining. It was the most, it reminded me, I love Star Wars, massive Star Wars fan. There was a lot of Han Solo in there at times. There was a lot of mysticism of Obi-Wan. And and those films are based upon the classics of The Wizard, The Princess, The Young Swashbuckler, The Pirate, you know? And I think you've got a bit of that in here. Um, It does get very confused. The story is bonkers. It's basically a lot of stuff that they've just gone a bit boring, this. John Carpenter's gone. Can anyone get hold of a massive brain with an eye for a tongue? Are you all right, John? Yeah, I've got an idea. Chuck it in. What about this? I found this in a cupboard. What is it? A load of fur and some teeth. Yeah, chuck it in. What's this in a pipe? Chuck it in. Well, it doesn't really work with the film. Uh, it doesn't matter. We put baskets on these lads' heads. It'll be fine. It's bonkers, but it is on that basis going to be my leader at the minute. I'm going to give it an eight, which is quite high for me because I, th- I look at Dan's face. That, honestly, that's, that's absolutely shocked me that you've given that an eight. I, 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 knew, I knew you'd like it, and I knew, I knew, you, I knew you'd find it fun, because it is. It is essentially really fun. But yeah. I thought you'd come out of it going, what the fuck? No, because the, look, the, thing is, the thing is, look, I live near Brighton. It's very easy to be a chin stroker and go, it doesn't really have the, uh, the ideas going in here and stuff like that. God, this pod would be different from wherever that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, it, doesn't really, it doesn't really go across the feelings in this. It's a Saturday afternoon, buckle swash. It's a bit of fun. It's nuts. 
I mean, it's better if you've got a bit of a story in there that you can get behind and have those moments of peril where you kind of go in a care. I didn't really care if everyone got eaten by a brain. I didn't really care if a laser-sworded nutty thing up in the sky decided to slash everyone's faces off. I didn't really care. But in the middle of it, there was enough times where I went, what? What the hell is that? That I thought keeping him guessing. Yeah, not too long. And again, I'll I'll come to the 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 main lover of it in a minute. But Fudge, where are you sitting with it? Um, see, I was going to say eight now, but I'm the positive one here. I'm the one that gives it higher than what it is. But you gave Robocop like six or something, didn't you? But I think there's 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 a bit in it where you you were talking about the storyline because the storyline is kidnap, go in the place where they're kidnapped to get them out. That's the story. Right, that's that's essentially what it is. Old creepy man is trying to marry the person that they've kidnapped. That's you know what I mean. It's a really yeah. thin story. So, like you said, Carpenter's gone. What's that puppet over there? It's, it's like he's gone to a big warehouse and he's gone. What's <laughs> big eyes? Yep, you're in. Does that I, move? Does that I, does that move? <laughs> <laughs> we'll have it. Yeah, and 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 like it just it, it, you're right. It's all over the place, and they just pad it out with you know, just martial arts and absolute ridiculousness. Now, Norm, I'm going to upset you now. I didn't like, you know, like there was always a kid. One was into spy stuff. One was into martial arts. One was into army stuff. I didn't, I, I wasn't a martial arts and I wasn't an army kid. And I, and so when it comes to things like that, I just like, oh, I, you know, I like crime. I like the problem solving stuff. I like, I like that. But army and war, I don't like war. So you know what I mean. So I just what is it good for though, Dan? It's absolutely nothing. So you know, I, I didn't, I didn't. I was like, oh, it's just a martial arts film. And that bit before they they get on the sword with the martial arts demonstration, I just found it weird. Can I just say, Dan, when they held onto that sword, I thought that'll cut the fingers. That yeah, and there was, I thought it would, and it didn't. Uh, but that that was you know what the magic. before he speaks, Dan. It's the mysticism and the. <laughs> what do you want? What, what, it's, what, it's what you want. want. It's what we've come for. It's, it's, it is. We've gathered here in this house with a pirated version of this. What we want is nuts. Uh, absolutely. So yeah, I didn't get it an eight because you're right. It's just fun. It's it's in that vein of movie where you watch it and you go, do you know what? It was shit, but I genuinely had fun watching it, and so I, I'm in Team Eight as well. So it, for for us personally, it's a it's a current forerunner. I mean, what about you, Norm? I've always said about this film, always to everybody, once you get past the cheesy shit, it is the best film in the world, no. <laughs> and it is and it is cheesy shit, but it's so good. <laughs> but that, it's my favorite film of all time. I love it. I mean. It's better than Lord of the Rings. It's better than Predator. It's better. It's no. better than with Neil and I. It's better. It's, it's better than. It's my favorite film of all time. For the cheesy shit that's in it. It's, it's the just, thing, the thing is, I can't take that from you, and that's the thing. Right? I like certain bits of music and culture and art that people go. I don't get it. Right? People like Tracy Emin stuff. That I, I saw one in Paris. It was a circle, and I'm people were rubbing their chin, and I'm going. That's a circle. Um, so it's I, no one can ever tell you you're not right because it's what matters to you. And it's time and place as well, isn't it? You know, things like that. If I see an Asda logo, I think of my granddad at Wembley with the Sheffield Wednesday shirt while some of us were at a scout rondo in uh, wherever you were, Dan. Um, do you know what I mean? So there's, it's things that associate with you for what they are. And I completely get that. And that's what I love about taking this journey with you two as well, because it's taking you back to sort of the toys that that bloke had. And, you know, I used to have two Chewbacca's from Star Wars, the the, the toys of them. And I called them fast and slow Chewy. And the, not because they've been doing tests at school, Dan, before you do that. It was because if you, if you held their heads and shook them, one of those legs was really, really loose. 
<laughs> and that was fast chewy. And the other well, one, I got, I got one of them. So one of them wasn't on the what was it, the buzz class that you mentioned last week? Buzz, buzz. Yeah, yeah. Buzz, buzz. <laughs> that, yeah slow chewy one, weren't on there. Uh, no. So for slow chewy was actually normal in lots of ways. Fast chewy was the one his legs kind of went like that. You know, so normally, so you're going to give it a 10 because uh, can we just oh, put it officially? Big Trouble in Little China is better than Lord of the Rings. To me. And Godfather. And Don't do me. that to me because you, A, you're, you're linking <laughs> up with the Chuckle Brothers again. And B, <laughs> sorry, you've done it in that personal way that you're going to mention some where people go like, well, yeah, make me great Uncle Dave give me that. And he's not around anymore. <laughs> no, 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 no. Bloody to- hell. No, to me, it's don't get me. I love Lord of the Rings. I've I've I'm, I've watched the extended trilogy so many times. It's it's I don't even know how many times. But to Big Trouble Little Channel for me is my favorite film, simply because of the escapism and simply because you don't have to think about watching it. You can just watch it and go, "This is right funny." <laughs> and it just yeah. and just for just what's what's it ninety seven minutes? How long it's on for? And for ninety seven minutes, you you don't have to worry about anything just other, other than people fighting fighting each other in kung fu. And essentially, all it is is. Rescue the rescue the damsel in, damsel in distress, kill the bad guy, save the world. That's all that film is, just with a load of arty farty eighties shit. I, I can't it. argue with that, Norm. Like <laughs> that's actually quite nice. Like I must admit, like fair play if, if it means that to you because of the experience you had. Then then fair play, pal. Yeah, I'm also going to add. I think it did have a bit more heft for it because yeah. you have also got. Kim Cattrall's character, say, being quite strong in it as well. She's a bit feisty. It's not like a... I'm getting an advert up here for Bloodsport 2 coming up. We're not watching that next. Um, what 2? I watched the first one. The first one's brilliant, the first one. Uh, <laughs> what we'll do is I think we will sporadically, because uh, it's always our training. You know, we're not we're not paid for doing this. It's just something we enjoy doing. Um, you know, we'll try and get Normie in every now and then. We'll get a film that tickles his fancy and he can talk about mysticism in the 80s. Uh, but judging by what we've got on the logo, I think I should pick another one off there. So um, I'm going to let Normie pick and we're going to either go with the following. We've either got Top Gun, we've got Alien. We've Have got you not Rambo. seen any of these films? <laughs> That's why What's they're on the, the podcast. You? You've done it three weeks. How do you not know what the bloody idea is? <laughs> you know, I've not seen these before. How many times? So yeah, Top Gun, Alien, um, Nightmare on Elm Street, Rambo. Uh, who else is on this chuff? Let's have a look here. I'll have a look. Uh, Die Hard, I think we'll probably save till Christmas. That makes sense. Uh, and that's it. So Norm, you can pick one of them and we'll watch it next week. I think we, I think uh, we need to move genres a little bit and go down horror. And so oh, yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street, just for just for the horror aspect, you've, you've done you've done two sci-fi, you've done fantasy, I think horror, just to just to mix it up a little bit for you. Yeah, I think so. And see, if, uh, so Dan, your face instantly looked like you just just uh, had a poo. Thought <laughs> of a better word. Well, you're not a fan. You seen that film? You don't like horror? I I was I was one of those kids when I was younger that used to get really scared. Like I remember watching Poltergeist when I was about seven, and even Ghostbusters scared me to death. We all remember the opening five minutes with the girl in the uh, the librarian, right? So I, I remember watching as a kid um, Nightmare on Elm Street, and it absolutely—I t- didn't sleep for weeks watching it. I should should not have gone anywhere near this film. And then watching it, I think I watched it about fifteen years later when I was in my early twenties, and I was annoyed at myself because it's so naff. You know, <laughs> great. I can't wait. Normie, where do you think I'm gonna? If I've given uh, this film an eight, where do you think I'm gonna go with Nightmare on Elm Street? Uh, to be fair, I'm with Fudge because I watched it again recently for the first time in 25 years, and it is fucking naff. <laughs> Why are you watching it, Norm? You prick. <laughs> well, because Ryan hadn't seen it, and I want him to come to his own conclusions. I just want him to see if he's on board the naff train with us or not. 
choo-choo is the naff train. <laughs> right. So listen, before we do go, first of all, Normie, thank you so much for joining us, mate. I hope you will see us again. We're also going to uh, try and get in another old uh, mate from back in the day, Mr. Stuart Parsons, to come along as well. Maybe talk about uh, the Warriors. I'm going to try and get around the films on the uh, graphic first. I think they maybe add some more. So if you want to contact us, you can do that across all social media at Y-N-W-T pod. And that's across everything, really. Your TikTok, all that business. You can see uh, Normie dancing to... Uh, I don't know, uh, what, Master of Puppets or something normal that do? Um, and if you want to contact, yeah, yeah, you know, Faith No More, we'll get him on something like that anyway. Um, or again, if you want to email us, it's ynwtpod at gmail.com. We have got a link tree, which you can see on our Twitter and all sort of uh, links will be there as well. So if you want to get in touch with every way you do. We have a poll on the end of these, as we always do. So if you'd like to give your answer on that one. Uh, normally, we need to add a poll on the end of this one when it goes on Spotify, a question either that people can say either or. To do with this film, what would you like to know what the public think about this film? And I can put it on the poll for you is it the best film of the 80s yes or, yes no? or no there we go so for, those who, for those who work in business that's a closed question uh we like that is it i guess it's, it's a yes or no so is this the best film of the 80s yes or no i might put it in french just to be edgy and put fan at the end and put uh but anyway norm thank you so much for joining us no, mate. thanks for having me uh, dan again thank you mate i'll see you next time and uh, until then uh What's, what should we say to say out in the... What is, it, is there any goodbyes that they say in this film? Any endings they do at the end of this? It's the end. The ending monologue was talking about uh, the, 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 the rain's falling down, the thunder's rolling, the, the pillars of heaven shake when he's in his truck at the end on the end monologue. And, he's, and then, the, then that, that foam monster's in the back of his lorry. <laughs> so do you know what? I'll end it like this. If you're a fish in a tube, have a lovely evening. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye.